0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas.
2: T-M. This song is good.
3: Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour.
2: Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up.
3: You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome Welcome to to our our podcast,
2: podcast, Growing Up With with Galdem. Galdem. So it's my pleasure to welcome the brilliant singer-songwriter, Shingy. She was brought up in South London by her mum and joined the Brit School, where she became the lead vocalist and bassist for UK indie rock band The Noisettes. Uh, This year she released her first solo album, Too Bold, in October. And alongside Banging Out, Never Forget You as a Teen, the reason why I love Shingy so much is because I saw her perform last summer at this tiny... Little trippy festival in Scotland called the Kelvin Garden Party, and it was one of the genuinely one of the best live performances I've ever seen. And I've been listening to her solo stuff, especially coming home ever since. So thank you so much for joining us. It's honestly such an honour to have you on the show today.
4: Thank you so much for having me. When you said Kelvin Garden Party, I literally gasped because one, it feels like such a long time since we've actually been able to do things like go to gigs. And two, it's probably one of the best gigs, I think, for me last summer. So I'm so glad you were there. Yeah. yeah, I was
2: I was at the front and I was like watching you kind of getting up on the side of the stage and like just singing your heart out. I just thought it was such a it was such a brilliant, like beautiful, like very random little gig, but like so special,
4: I thought. So. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. And in <laughs> this and in this castle as well, which the, the the grounds were a little bit strange as well. So um, but yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Not for that
2: um how have you sort of been holding up during this time what have you been focusing on obviously you've had your your album come out which is huge but um were you expecting to sort of bring out a body of work during this during this sort of period and and have you had to change any of your plans or yeah
4: well, yeah, so the plan was always to release the album as close to um, Ancient Futures as possible. I finally got out of the of, of the Noisettes kind of like major label deal. And although I'm so proud of the three albums that we made um, during that time, there was also quite a lot of like restrictions and a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that, you know, like a lot of us, I'm kind of talking a little bit more about now. So I was like, right, you know, uh, freedom. And and I found that I had to be independent to make work that really spoke to like where I was now. And so for me, this album kind of feels like a bit of a magnum opus in a way. It's everything that I've really wanted to say over the last 10, 10 years or in fact, since I was probably 16. A lot of the feelings and some of the emotions and some of the dynamics that were uh, potentially left out or maybe that I wasn't brave enough to, to fight to be included in previous work. So, yeah, um, having done Ancient Futures in summer 2019, um, I went on this really, really hard road and felt like I had to really kind of start from the bottom up. And so um, the intention was always to follow up Ancient Futures um, as soon as possible. And so I started writing uh, Too Bold. And um, when the pandemic was really, really kind of, you know, uh, kind of get get going like into a much more unpredictable place for everybody. I had the opportunity to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't put out uh, this record now. Maybe I should wait. And I felt like the world was having a really and still is having a really important conversation. And so many conversations that the world was having were like really uh, sort of coincidentally reflected in my record and in my emotional kind of, where I was going, like I was really digging deep into my feels for this record. And I was like, look Shing, if you're not gonna put it out now, then when? Maybe this record was almost kind of made for this time. So I decided to go against a lot of people's advice and say, well, actually, maybe people actually need music that is more like emotive and just kind of what whatever it is that I'm bringing to the table now more than ever.
2: That's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Could you tell us just like uh, in a little bit more detail about maybe a couple of the tracks and and you sort of lightly touched upon that they're emotional and that they bring a lot of things to the fore. But what
4: emotions specifically I'd love to hear. Um, Actually, before I start on talking about Ghost Town, one thing was that was really refreshing for me um, on Too Bold, which kind of made me feel very, very like unshackled was that I finally kind of got the chance to work with more of a, a diverse spectrum of co-collaborators. And I'd been really wanting to work with um, more producers and co-writers of colour and more females as well, or just, you know, people that didn't necessarily fit the mould. And so I got I got to write and co-produce an amazing song on um, Ancient Features called Revolutions with this amazing producer called Roso. We managed to meet somehow, and I just loved her production. I loved the way that she would open to involving me in sort of being part of the beat and and all that kind of stuff so I wanted to work with her again for Too Bold and we worked on war drums together and we also worked on Ghost Town Ghost Town was specifically very um it was it was a deep moment for me because it's something I wanted to sing about for a while and I've sang about aspects of it so it's about grief it's about um losing my father when I was like nine also it sort of subliminally touches on other things like you know, being the child of people that were actually sort of revolutionaries and sort of, you know, had to fight, like, in a war for emancipation so that I could be free, so that we could have a future. So I didn't necessarily really recognise that pressure when I was kind of growing up, but I definitely felt like, for me, like, throughout my career, I've always been quite purpose-driven and I really, really felt like there, you know, me having this voice um, and me having this this um, this public space to be able to have influence and, and and say things, I really wanted to make sure that you know um, certain voices that often get left out weren't left behind. Um, that's also I wanted to make sure that certain certain black voices in pop music that have been written out in the story were kind of you know not omitted and really recelebrated. I've always done that in my work a lot. and so when I was singing about um Ghost town and I'm saying, you know,
5: I've got battle scars. But I wear them just like armor. Oh for my father, driving in Rhodesian cars. I got love for you, I got love for you. We breathe through the fire, we breathe through the fire, breathe in the fire.
4: So like I really kind of had to kind of not just sing about how that feels, but also I wanted people to leave with a sense of hope and optimism. So, you know, if anyone who's ever been through stuff, um, or anyone who's ever been through loss, which I realize a lot of us have this year. I just felt like it. I needed to sort of be brave and sing about that so people could kind of hear it and be like, wow, she's kind of making it through that. Maybe I can too. In terms of like, you know, like I said, them being that revolutionary generation that sacrificed so much, including their lives, um, so that, you know, we could have um, a future and so that we could have independence. I thought it was really, really important to to honour that because I feel like that played a big part in, in, in his death. You know, he never really kind of got over the post-colonial trauma. And um, there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of post-colonial wars, which are quite recent and often kind of left left out a little bit of the, of the conversation. And writing right Ghost Town was very cathartic. And and even to say, you know, driving in Rhodesian cars, that's a word that like, I feel like the media space and the mainstream establishment, it's, it's almost like a dirty word. It's like a word that people are kind of scared to utter. But that's what we had to kind of go through. And that's not what defined us, what defines us. You know, and I think there's something really, really beautiful about, um, you know, the experiences that, um a lot of people of color have been through post slavery and post colonially that shouldn't just amount to the um the struggle and the trauma i mean i sing in war drums you know um i've got that african heat i'm coming through with that london cheek rock and roll in my blood is peak warriors in my ancestry so it's about us being able to say you know what our story isn't just like this kind of you know get the violins out and we, we don't just want like pity, we want you to see the um, the energy and the vibes that we bring to 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 this culture. So um yeah so so ghost town was a good example of that and I think I needed to um I needed to flip that on on um, on We Roll, which is more of an Afrobeats inspired track. And I needed to flip that on War Drums as well to show that you know what you can sing about like deep moments. You can sing about deep things. But it doesn't have to leave you feeling, do you know what I mean, like sad and with a lack of hope at the end of that song.
2: Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, what you just described sounds like the perfect, perfect kind of confluence of factors that have led to this album and the diverse spectrum of co-collaborators and the gorgeousness of like actually having, you know, being able to find those moments of hope despite some very hard hard times we've been through um just for context for for anyone who isn't sort of aware of of your background i'm presuming that you're talking about um the zimbabwe war of liberation
4: yeah that's right i'm, I'm talking about the yeah the, the chumorenga which was quite a brutal war um which um although most people know about the, the 70s part of it actually really kind of started in in the 18 in the 1890s and um yeah in fact my grandfather's generation was also you know I mean it's just yeah it's it's something that we don't we don't talk about yet even though there are a lot of people that are still living and that's still quite young that experienced it in their 40s 50s and 60s so um yeah I mean how do you sing about something like that but like not leave people feeling do you know what I mean I don't want people to feel like I'm bringing them down. I, I think there's something really beautiful about turning something, about facing something that maybe you're uncomfortable or sad about and, and singing it. And, and there's there's a certain kind of like liberation in that. And um, I feel like a lot of people of colour, especially in soul music and fr- from the days of blues and jazz are really great at creating this, this wonderful kind of, we call it like the, the gin and tonic in songwriting. So it's like that, that melancholy, but it never leaves you feeling sad. You know, it's like when we sing about a lot of like really, really low stuff. You know, when you when you listen to Change Is Gonna Come, you just feel a mixture of like joy and pain equally. When you listen to you know when you listen to like Nina Simone or when you listen to um you know Bob Marley Redemption song, you don't you actually leave thinking, yeah, wow, yeah. we've gone through this, but we still want people, we still want to to, to impart a sense of joy. On people and yeah, that that juxtaposition of you know black pain and black joy is something that a lot of um, a lot of I, I feel a lot of UK um, black female artists don't tend to get um, positioned when they when they kind of bring those stories in and so so yeah I, I feel like now's a, a really important time to not be afraid to do that to be bold enough to to do it even if it takes you out of your comfort zone.
2: Yeah, I love that and I just love how you articulate your work and I'm always, as a journalist, I'm always looking for the purpose, I'm always looking for for that purposeful narrative within people's work. So thank you so much for giving us that insight. Um, We're going to move on now into hearing your chosen snippet, this piece of your past. I know there's a bit of context to this th- these song lyrics that you've chosen to kind of reflect on before you go into sort of reading them or singing them. Um, it would be lovely to hear just about why you've decided to alight upon these and, and what they mean for you today. Because As far as I'm aware, you actually used some of these lyrics a bit more recently. So,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, actually, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot, a lot of people have had, you know, obviously because of lockdown and lots of other reasons. Um, some of us are generally reflective, but some of us have been given the space to be more reflective. But um, I think a lot of people in the creative space, um, especially people have been, who have faced any type of marginalization, are often asked questions like, oh, what would you tell, like, you know, your 15 year old self? Or what would you tell, like, your younger self and things like that? And um, I kind of accidentally almost sort of preempted that uh, when I realized that, um the last song, in fact, no, I think it was the, the second to last song that I finished in the album, <laughs> on the album, was a song called Too Bold. And I realized that like some of the lyrics in that actually came from like lyrics that I'd written down when I was about 16, 17, and I got my first guitar. So there's a riff I used to play on the guitar loads of times. And, and it was, again, it's got that like happy, sad kind of vibe to it. It's the first thing that I ever really, one of the first groups I started playing on guitar. And um, and I felt, I knew I really wanted to be um, a musician and I really wanted to make a difference. And for me, music was always a tool, not only to like bring people together, but also kind of um, maybe sort of like, I felt like I could sort of, make up for a lot of the pain that a lot of my family had sort of been through and when me and my siblings got together my my other siblings are artists as well and when we got together we'd always like make up like songs and dances and little musicals for our families I think a lot a lot, a lot of brown children know what that's like to do when you have to entertain your, your your fam and your parents and your aunties and uncles when you're growing up right and so um and so yeah I'd always wanted um I would always wanted music to um not just make me like successful or somebody I, I was kind of always sort of doing it for them as well and so um when I was trying to get signed and stuff in the beginning you know I had this um a- a- amazing band which I'm really proud of now but it was a band called Sonafly and we had just this like really kind of um very very wild like genre fluid which is now a thing which I wish could have been a thing then because no one knew how to describe us like even the most seasoned journalists were like what is this like she's you know she's got this kind of like you know psychedelic soulful alternative vibe and like these African rhythms and stuff and like she plays guitar and all this kind of stuff when I say something like I'm too wild for this world ever since I was a girl like a diamond or a pearl I'm feeling the pressure though it's pushing on, pushing on me, it's crushing on, crushing on me, making me ill, losing my feels, say this is not for me. So I realized that, oh my God, maybe I've, I've always felt like that. <laughs> and so um, not only did I realize that um, the last three albums that I'd made, made that riff didn't even make it onto like a Noisettes album. Um, but also maybe, uh, maybe the world wasn't ready for that riff and this sentiment, and maybe I wasn't ready brave enough to sort of really confidently get behind it and say actually this is how I really feel and you know it was quite difficult for me in a lot of sort of songwriting situations back in the day because you know I'd be the only female 99% of the time I'd also be the only um, female or often the only person of colour in the room with like you know up to 10 other songwriters you're there for the whole day they get to kind of say yeah, I think it'd be great if you could sing about this, or how do you feel, or you know, sing about this, or you know, it's just. God, is that what it's like? Just sort of so much pressure on you as an individual to. Yeah, we, we need to have another another episode about this alone because I think mm. there's a lot of a lot of females going songwriting and it's songwriting sessions, and you're asked things like, "So, you know, are you feeling? You know, are you feeling sexy today? Or you're feeling like what? God. Uh, so there's a like kind of like you you kind of you what you do is you kind of are open to following everyone else's ideas for the whole day. And you try and write this like poppy song that everyone's gonna think a girl yeah. should be singing. And then it gets to like 10 minutes before and you're like, actually, I- I've got an idea. Do you mind if I, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I just yeah. got tired of um, not having the confidence to be able to express up my ideas until like the last hour of the session. Mm-hmm. And actually funnily enough, some of the Noise greatest songs were maybe when Dan and I got to the end of that session and he was like, you know what, shingy has got an idea, shingy has got a baseline, shingy has yeah, got, yeah. you know, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe she has. Let's ask her yeah. what she might want to sing about. Yeah, so, yeah. and it,
2: so it took, it took, unfortunately, at that time, it took a white man being like, here you go, like, present, you know, your idea to, to, for them to actually pay attention kind of vibes.
4: Yeah, it's just honestly like the, the 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 pressure in that room. I mean, a lot of a lot of people go into that songwriting session already, and maybe not even realise that they are ready to impose their ideas upon you about who you are and what you should be singing about. Um, when I was going to make Too Bold, I just had to like not wait until those last ten minutes. I wanted every song to really express me in my fullness, in my colourfulness, in all my poetic, weird, wild, and wonderful self you know and so I looked back at some of these lyrics when you you guys were asking and I was like wow it's funny because it's taken 20 years for me to have the not only the confidence but maybe I had to create an independent situation as well where that could be accepted maybe maybe those lyrics were too wild for the label at that time that I was on or too wild for my management company or too honest or whatever and so what I do is I would find I would really, really have to be um, using a lot of metaphors and wordplay and find ways to sort of, like, almost, like, assert myself into my own music. <laughs> and it's, like, those that know would know. Yeah, in these yeah, almost, like, like those subtle... That know will know what you're saying yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's, like, you know, now I don't have to do that as much. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going in. And with Too Bold, I was, like, I'm going in. And so, yeah, there's some other aspects to that song that you might find, my idea of sort of commentary, uh, sort of social commentary, really, really, really kind of goes to another level. And so, yeah, maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, the Too Wild for This World bit is definitely something that is probably, like, you know, long, as old as that 20-year riff. And I think it's okay for things to, like, take their time as well. Like a song, I feel like it's ready to come out when it's ready, you know. And you never know how quick or how how long that, that might take to Group.
2: cool. So, do you want to do you want to maybe read the what do you call them stanzas? I, I <laughs> um, in uh, maybe the first one, two, three.
4: I love that I love that you just like threw the word stanzas in. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> stanzas, this, this woman is definitely a <laughs> poet. I love it. I love it. I love it. I Um, I just think you know. I love it as well. About like really coming into my own, like as a songwriter, at the moment is there's so much. um, There's such an amazing playfulness that I feel like you really fight for and enjoy when um, you've not been given this language easily. Like you know, as 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 a language you can claim as your own. Like I feel like when you grow up in a in a like multilingual household, you know, you have to come back and speak English better than everyone else at school or you you know Mm -hmm. you might have to help aunties and uncles or parents fill in forms and you're like six seven years old you feel me so um so yeah for me I was just like you know what this album too bold I want to enjoy every lyric I don't want to just have fillers like I want it I want to enjoy it and so um I'll, I'll read them out now um the first three right yeah that sounds good okay so listen up settle down without a shadow of doubt I'm not the girl you knew before so, if you thought I was taking it, taking it easy, taking it, taking it easy, getting my frills, getting my deals, say this is not for me. I'm too wild for this world. Ever since I was a girl, like a diamond or a pearl. Feeling the pressure though. It's pushing and pushing on me, yeah? It's crushing, it's crushing on me. Yeah, it's making me ill. Gotta be still. Say this is not for me. I'm a believer, Lord. I'm trying to keep the faith. Maybe I'm done with this bittersweet place. Too dark. Don't let them tell you you're too dark. Don't let them tell you you're too dark. How great thou art. When you're ready to pop the question,
0: the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Beautiful, thank you. I mean, there's, there's so it was funny when I was going through this. It's, it was out of the many podcasts that we've done and like the many sort of snippets I've read. This was one of the ones where, the, where I felt like there was almost too much for me to pull out. I was like, there's so many things we could focus on here. And it, it just shows that, like, even at this point, you were, as you say, like weaving that social commentary into your writing. And and, and that's really special, I think. Do you sort of um, remember where you were in your life when you originally wrote these, these sort of lyrics? And, you know, how old were you? Like, was, was it when you were still at school or?
4: Yeah. I was probably living in Catford, big (laughs) up. Catford, massive. Yeah, I was probably at Brit school um, and I was doing a lot of drama. So I was really getting into, I was really like into reading, always been an avid reader of everything, like poetry, trashy stuff, like history stuff and a bit of a history buff as well. So, yeah, I was doing a lot of drama. I was probably still quite, quite shy, if I'm honest, but then the stage has always kind of led people to believe that it's something different. What I also remember is because it would have been like the very late 90s or something, maybe, yeah, it was very late 90s, latest, early 2000s. And, and I remember Whitney Houston was really kind of getting a lot of, um, I just feel like, you know, kind of um, the mainstream kind of, record label and the society that had kind of leaned on her for so much love and inspiration which she'd given to people she was finally kind of almost being sort of I guess it was an early version of trolling in a way and I just I saw how she was being really really put down by like the media because of the pain that she was going through and what she was going through and so one thing that I did this time round, like 20 years later is I remember, like, because I'm such a huge Whitney fan, like, ask any of my friends, (laughs) I just love her so much and feel like she was such, and still is in terms of her legacy, such a generous, like, spirit in terms of not just performance, but in, you know, just in terms of her philosophy and her just her love, right? And so, um, and her originality as well, and, and, and her tone, and I could go on. Okay, When I took those first three fragments that I read to you earlier, I wanted to say, okay, so how could I flip that now in a kind of 2020 way that it almost is quite cinematic and in the sort of sphere of social media gone crazy and all this kind of thing, like what would it be like if she was alive now? And so then I came up with the sort of last section,
5: and it goes um, one, two, three, and. I used to be somebody I heard her say. And the chorus sings. Don't let them. Whitney says. Tear me to pieces, Bobby. Who? Society. And then the audience goes. Just smile and look at all this bread, look at all this honey, look at all these cars and look at all this money. I might take a walk in the park after dark in this town of broken dreams when nothing ever lasts. Look at all these things, who's pulling all the strings? Baby's got back and yeah, hurt she abutting or London's on fire, Grenfell, trying to break free. Your dreams might expire, you might not get hired, no. Look at what we're dealing with and look at what we're Low. No. How do we become so low? Do we really need the stone? Look at all these stars, Whitney, rising from their graves, Biggie. Look at all the ones that making money from our faces. Look at all these things, look at all this honey look at all these scars and isn't it funny i might take a walk in the park through the dark cause you're seeing that we built this we built this house on rocky ground yeah we built this house oh, oh, oh so it's like
4: folding all of those things in there Love right that. And it feels like, you
2: know, uh, a real statement and a reclamation from you for all of the black musicians in the industry, for all the black people living on this, like, presumably this is what you meant by it, living on this rocky ground who have built such incredible things and, and done such just groundbreaking work despite it all. And also this moment right here is going to be one of my favourite memories from 2020, getting serenaded by Shiggy on, uh, <laughs> on Zoom. is. <laughs> it's gorgeous thank you for for singing that to us
4: Do you know what, thank you for uh, thank you for asking because this is another thing that I found with this campaign it's like it's really it actually it's moved me to tears on like maybe one or two kind of interviews where someone is actually for the first time um asking me about my process and and what mm. it feels whereas I just felt like for a lot of the time with with the noisettes or even when I've done stuff and not necessarily been credited or associated with the music, like Dennis Ferrer. I think people um, or a lot of journalists kind of came at me and they would sort of say, oh, so who are you going out with? Or, you know, like, what did you have for breakfast? Or like, who who are your celebrity friends? Or it just feels like women in music aren't often asked about their process. And there are so many geniuses out there. Do you feel me? Yeah, (laughs) literally. And you... Yeah, totally. And you
2: you just will never know, like, you can obviously make your own assumptions about how someone, someone got to somewhere with a piece of music. But if you don't ask them, you'll never know the, like, intricacies of it. And yeah, as as I said, hearing you explain all of this has been really, really beautiful. Um, I want to go back to this this Whitney Houston idea, <laughs> just because that kind of, um, <laughs> that kind of spoke to me a bit. Um, do you feel like just thinking about what she was exposed to as a as a as a darker-skinned woman in, in the in the music industry at the time. Do you feel like she was like held enough? Do you feel like enough people had her back back then? Do you think it would be different now?
4: I'd um, I'd hope it would be different now. Um, but the only thing is actually what really kicked off that last bit for me was the fact that like not only does it feel and is it quite clear to um many of us that she was not held or um looked after as as many females aren't actually in the music industry um through um, a lot of the struggles that they go through you know often men are kind of positioned for being you know rock stars for the same reasons that women are vilified um and torn down as soon as they are not like sexy enough or like not you know 23 anymore and all this kind of stuff so the pressure that's on us and the fact that we can't grow into these incredible like established artists when you've got a lot of you know you've got I don't need to say names but you know you've got your Rod Stewarts and your you know people who um are held up by society no matter what they've done you know and 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 they're still allowed to have careers in their 60s 70s and 80s where it's hard it's hard enough for a um, a woman to be able to allowed to have a career in her thirties or forties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I feel like um, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure, and it becomes less about our music and about how we're expected to entertain society and make society feel. And so, what you know, in terms of the Whitney bit, and the reason why I mentioned um, the line uh, there's the line that says, "Look, look at all these stars rising from their graves. Look at all the ones that are making money for them from their faces." So when you listen back to it, you see, I say, Whitney, Biggie, Tupac, Tutankhamun. So what do Whitney, Biggie and Tupac all have in common? That regardless of how hard they worked in their lives and um, and the fact that they left such a big legacy already, they were still kind of extracted and monetized in, in the form of a hologram. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt I just felt personally that felt like a bit creepy for me because I'm like if you're tearing down Whitney 10, 15 years ago but now that she's gone and we can't have her anymore and you demand her as a hologram but you only demand her when she was the Whitney that you wanted and yeah. the Whitney that she was under so much pressure and in battle to be. So she not only is forced to come back from the grave and entertain you from the dead without her permission, but um, she has no control over which which bits of her that you want. And I just felt like that was, it was like, you know, somebody taking a Barbie doll and kind of ripping the arm off and then stick it, replacing it with, it just felt really uncomfortable to me. And it felt uncomfortable to me that that had happened to a majority of black artists. I think it may have happened to Amy as well, but there were black artists, um, this new phenomenon of um, kind of hologram Concerts where people are kind of being forced to to entertain you from the dead without even sort of saying, "Hey, this is the song I would have chosen." And the fact that like they're only taken from the dead in their perfected state, the state when they were obedient, the state when they were kind of doing what society wanted for them, that was another thing. And then the last person I included in that list of, you know, look at all the ones that are making money from their faces was that when I was um, going out for walks sometimes in lockdown, um, I was going around London sometimes. And obviously London was like quite deserted. And like, there was a lot of billboards that had been sort of left over <laughs> from like 2019 yeah, yeah. that hadn't really been replaced. And one of them was just like this huge billboard of like, you know, last tickets, last chance to see Tutankhamun. He's on tour. You can buy it. And I'm like, Tutankhamun on tour, last it's, chance. Yeah,
2: T- what? It's weird, isn't it? Because it's a real person's body isn't it like you that's so yeah
4: yeah what it's you know what I mean it's like you know we got it's like you yeah just just the idea that like we live in a in a society where you can kind of you know have um the exhumed um remains of someone's relatives up in a museum 151 dollars if you want to see them do you know what I mean just that idea that there's like and and it just seems to happen more um I mean obviously there's a four people that I mentioned there they are legendary people and Tutankhamun that's actually somebody's like remains on tour and some of these things that's somebody's ancestor
2: it's so it's so dehumanizing isn't it like it's it like when you actually deep it like it really is when you
4: break it down and that's why I think I wanted to just sort of put it out there to not say hey look this is this has to be a fixed opinion on it but it but, if we're going to go into 2020, and if people are going to go there and have the conversations that need to be have, how do we feel about you know um how do we feel about that about you know women and um, men, um especially black women and men that were not respected towards the end of their careers or at any point in their careers, suddenly being forced to still keep keep tap dancing, even though they should be respected yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. what does that feel like?
2: Yeah. And I I guess for you as, you know, as someone who was such a fan of of all of these people, some of whom when they were alive and and presumably some of whom when when they'd passed away, um, sort of seeing the what's the word for it? Just the, the disrespect I think, especially of like, let's say, let's go back to talking about Whitney, like, um, of her her as a person when she was alive and then that hologram all of those years later must have just been a bit of a head fuck. Like, and I wonder, like, were you were you associating any of their careers with your own trajectory? Was that on your mind as well when you were writing that track? Or was it more like, this is my statement on these artists who I love and I want you guys to respect them and their legacy more than, than they have been in the past?
4: I think I just wanted to sort of examine, you know, um, where we're at in terms of society. I mean, it's, for me, it's social commentary. It's not a fixed statement. Um, I'm singing, but I'm saying... Look at all these stars rising from their graves metaphorically you know and look at all the ones that are making money from their faces it's like how do we feel about that like do do you would you want somebody to look at a picture of you when you're sixteen and go oh my god, she's so beautiful she's so amazing and then God forbid when you're twenty one you go for a really hard time and everyone's like oh yeah she's yeah she's not as cool as she was when she was sixteen and then God forbid anything happens to you and then somebody starts posting and 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 I don't know like how do we feel about people being fixated with with um with the um almost kind of coerced perfection of of black artists and female artists how do we feel about um black artists and female artists having to be perfect, having to be fanciable, having to be sexy all the time? I mean, at the moment I feel like, you know, we are living in a time where there's a lot of original and very authentic um, artists that, you know, the UK has had a really cool, like, track record of producing. And, and you know, you've got people like shade you've got people like Grace Jones, you've got people like Soul to Soul, Karamila. I mean, would those kind of artists, even Shingy like, would, 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 you know, would those kind of artists be signed today? And so I just wanted to sort of kind of muse on those thoughts because social media is talking about a lot of the pressure that women and people of colour and marginalised communities are under to be this perfect sort of person and also I'd go even further to say that you know um, I guess UK artists maybe have a slightly different treatment to the way that you know um, US artists is a lot more of a hyper commercialization probably on that side because it's such a bigger industry um, so, yeah, I'm not judging it per se, but I just want, I wanted to just like, just to sort of see what, h- how we would humanly respond and how would we, we would respond as fans to knowing that people and artists that we love, do we feel like they should be respected or do we feel like they have to mm-hmm. look, a certain, do you know what I mean? It's just it's opening just opening the conversation. It's opening yeah, that and, 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 that. and um, Cool.
2: So I want to hear a little bit more about Baby Shingy. And what she was like, and what made her, yeah, what made her tick. And there's a few, there's a few lines, obviously, from, from, um, from the extract you you read out. So, um, I'm not the girl you knew before, which is something that I definitely would have said as a teenager as well. Like, I'm totally different to how I was yesterday. (laughs) Um... Um but but, <laughs> but um but also like, you know, as you kind of or you spoke about this a little bit already, but just that uh, this idea of you being too wild for the world ever since you were a girl and sort of being quite conscious of the type of person you were. Um were you quite self reflective even at that age? Were you someone who was thinking about um how you fit into the world and and, and what type of person you
4: could or should be? Yeah, I'd, I've definitely been someone who is always felt quite unique and like I never really sort of fitted in. Um, I was always friends with like all of the different kind of, I don't know, let's say gangs or groups of different friendship groups, because I, I just, I do have this love of people. And as a poet and as a writer and someone that wants to create, I feel like it's kind of, it's not just my duty, but it's my natural curiosity to find out where people are coming from, find out what they're into. I thought for me, to say, oh, I'm only like writing music for this demographic would just be a bit of a dry existence for me. It wouldn't stimulate me enough. Like I can't really do dryness. I can't just have like one type of music or one type of food in my cupboard. I don't, I've never really been like that. I've always been a bit more, I don't know, adventurous, I suppose. Um, Yeah, dynamic, love it. Yeah, dynamic. But that that has at times often alienated me um, as well. And it's meant that I had to sort of work really 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 hard into kind of packaging all of this um I don't know this 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 unique perspective that I have into um a craft and I think that's the beauty of what I love about my craft is it actually helps me um get to know myself it's a soundtrack not just to my life and my evolution but also to big up to those who have gone before me it's 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 holding gratitude and space. For those who fought so that I could be here but it's also for me something that I feel um, deserves to go into the future because I've always had a sense of sort of timelessness I've never really really got that sort of grasp of time I I just I love music from the the 30s and 40s Billy Holiday I also love you know a lot of like really futuristic you know synth based stuff and a lot of electronic stuff as well and I'm, I'm, I'm big on innovation, I'm big on, you know, on kind of just kind of going for an adventure and getting lost. But also uh, I would say that speaking of Little Shing, that often came from a place of not being brave enough to sort of like talk to people and tell them how I'd really feel um, about stuff. So yeah, I think my my personality and my character is equally formed by the, the dark things that I've experienced, um, not just as a child, but even in recent years it's also informed by like my extreme unrealistic optimism (laughs) and just like you know somehow i i have a belief that we can turn it around and 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 all that kind of stuff when i look back to little shing i'll be honest with you babe i don't really think there's much difference
5: (laughs) i mean
2: (laughs) No, they, you know what? They don't. They don't. You'd be surprised. I've asked a lot of people that question and, and I'd say most of them are like, I'm so different to what I was before. And I, I like it when people can see themselves in their past selves. I like that ownership of, of one's past selves. So
4: that's a beautiful hit to Yeah, I feel like if you want to get the best way to, to kind of get to know me is like, actually, there's a lot in lyrics. Like I'm really, really into, you know, um, the word and like expression and like really, really into poetry, like how it can move people and how like music can actually often give people um, a vehicle to express themselves in a way that they naturally wouldn't usually be able to. So I literally feel like, um, obviously, this is a bit of an exception because this song has taken, probably the longest song it's taken me to write ever. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, um, but hopefully it's yeah. Worth the <laughs> But <laughs> outside of that, I would say that, you know, if you go from, you know, Three Moods of the Noisettes, which was my first EP. If you go from "What's the Time, Mr. Wolf," where I'm singing about you know Little Shing in the playground, to Little Shing trying to um, break through, you know the kind of like ceiling of like you know of what the music industry was kind of presenting me with at the time when I was trying to break through. If you listen to uh, "What's," um, if you listen to "Wilding Hearts," if you listen to "Contact," if you listen to "Ancient Futures," if you listen to "Too Bold," I feel like I'm in there. like i am in those five bodies of work and um it helps me see how far I've come and some songs I still find it hard to listen to now because I remember the space that I was in when I wrote that song and some songs I listen to now and um and I'm like wow Shing oh my god you actually had the nerve that was bold you did it like well done do you know what I mean like so I think everyone has those moments when we have the yeah the internal voice or something you're in a monologue is what they call it I think the inner monologue. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in all, all of them, all of the lyrics I've ever written and all of the music and all the riffs I've ever written. I'm in there somewhere, you know, that's where I leave myself.
2: <laughs> Gorgeous. That's beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, there was actually so there was a final question that we usually ask and you've actually kind of touched on it already. And so instead of asking you, I thought I'd ask you about it, which was you mentioned um, that. You've you found or you've noticed that a lot of uh, sort of singers or people in the public eye from marginalized groups are often asked about like what advice they would give their younger self or what would your younger self think about where you are now? What why do you think that um, people from marginalized groups get asked that question more than than other artists or or people in the public eye?
4: I often sometimes feel like the way that I used to get interviewed a lot, especially at the start of my career, felt like I was being asked to sort of say. Why do I deserve to you know to have this positioning, to have this mainstream positioning? I feel like it's really important for me at this moment to like enjoy the experience at it. I feel like the industry made me feel like I had to start from the ground up, and it was almost like everything before didn't count. You know, I'm an independent artist now, and I'll never be a female artist that fits the mold. Like, I'm never going to be that, and I've never aspired to to be that. And I think a lot of marginalized groups, we still often, like, desire that validation, you know? Um, we desire a lot of validations from institutions, egalitarian institutions that the taxpayer even pays for. I, I felt like the industry may made me feel like I had to start again from the ground up, and that everything I did before didn't really count because I was no longer in the sort of major label system so like you know didn't need to be given that positioning or deserve that positioning you know like i it was if I was being told I'd had my two minutes in the sun I mean we know about how the quota is already especially with uh, with, with black females I actually went about uh, going to hire a publicist, you know, like a radio plugger, press person to widen the opportunities for Ancient Futures, and I was told by like two respected agencies that they already had someone similar. So it was just like the industry had already decided which one or two black female artists were were going to be pushed and supported for twenty nineteen. That is shocking.
2: That is shocking. I I've heard stories like that before, but but like yeah, it's it's disgusting that they can still sort of come to you with that kind of attitude especially when like, as you've pointed out, your music is, it's just different, it's different from other people's music, like it's not the same. And and to not give it that kind of credit and that space um, is really disappointing. Um, I feel like that's too low of a moment to end on for the podcast. So I'd love just to, <laughs> yeah. No, we, de-
4: we, don't, we definitely don't want to. I mean, I think, I mean, I was going to, I was going to add to that and say, actually, it is a really beautiful time for, um, for female artists um, in the UK and we really have a chance. I feel like it's our time now and it's a really exciting time. Although, you know, it's just as unpredictable as it was, I feel like there is more space for things to get, you know, exciting. And I just kind of feel like there's so many artists, you've got a range of incredible, like really unique artists from Laura, and Vula, Nova Twins there are so many amazing artists coming through um, at the moment and we don't all have to be the same I mean unfortunately a lot of us have to go to um, America you know for us to get that kind of validation and then when we come back we are celebrated but what's really nice is there's a lot of amazing media platforms now that are more independent and you know like you've got yourselves and like your skin deeps and all these other amazing platforms where we are now really, really beginning to like big each other up and share our platforms. I think that's really, really key. I think that's really futuristic. We can't just keep waiting around to, you know, um, share the tiny little space on the pie chart that's left for us at at radio because you know we have to just kind of i think just use the whole community and we should really really know and celebrate the whole range of the spectrum of artists of color out that are out there doing their thing you know i think i think that's really 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 important i think that you know often um there's a lot of UK artists that have been doing really original stuff and have actually inspired a lot of amazing US artists, you know, like there's, there's amazing, you know, US artists, queens like Kalayla and Lizzo and Solange and Janelle Monáe, Um, you know, I get the feeling as well and quite beautifully, like, because they often big us up, but they're inspired by our uniqueness, you know, and um, yeah, there's a really, really, really beautiful thing happening at the moment, but the UK still has got quite of a way to go to um you know to kind of really reflect the way that people are listening to music right now which is people just want amazing beautiful music they don't care they're not they're not asking for music made by someone who's this age or who looks like that or who lives in this city or who whatever you know so um if we think 2020 is is intense i think it's just the beginning it's the beginning of a new decade the beginning of a new era
2: yeah Beautiful. Thank you so much. Shingy, thank you so much for joining us this week. Obviously, we miss live, but you were the perfect guest with so many stories, so many insights. Uh, go and stream and buy Shingy's new album, Too Bold. It's out now. Um, and if you get the chance to see her live, hopefully at some point in the next couple of years, Cross Fingers live gigs will come back. Um, do so because as I say, it was my absolute favourite per- like live performance that I've seen in the past five to 10 years. So yeah, big up, Shingy. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you, won. Thanks for having me. It was really, really, really fun, actually.
3: This has been an ii Studios production.
2: Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next
3: one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us, and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com.
2: Galdam has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Planning for your next trip?